In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, whose grace always precedes and follows us, help us to forsake all trust in earthly gain and to find in you our heavenly treasure. For you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. With that, we'll continue by singing hymn 71. from Mark, the 10th chapter, which writes, And as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him, knelt before Jesus, and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God, God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go. Sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away, sorrowful, for he had great possessions. That is the text. This young rich man comes to Jesus, and he asks that question, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life. 
Jesus gave the right answer. But the man did not realize he was asking at least a short-sighted question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? That was his question. But the thing is, is that he's looking to see what, what kind of work, what effort does he need to put forth to inherit eternal life. So Jesus asks him, you know the commandments, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. Of course he says, I've kept those since I was young. Jesus does not say, liar. He didn't say that. He could have. Because he was lying. Or at least he wasn't very honest with himself. Because even though he may not have physically murdered somebody, if you hate your brother, you've murdered them in your heart. He may not have committed adultery, but if he looked lustfully upon another woman, he committed adultery with her in his heart. And who hasn't dishonored their parents? So, but Jesus does not say, <laughs> he doesn't call him out on it. Instead he says, and I love this, it says that Jesus loved him. He loved him, and this is why he told him what he said. Because this man is trying to do what he can't do. He says, you lack one thing. Go sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. Now people read that and say, ah, if I sell all of my possessions to the poor, then God's going to like me more. That is not the point of what Jesus is saying. Jesus is telling him this because he's trying to show the man's sin. Showing that he cannot earn eternal life by his work. This is what the scripture says about our condition before God. Psalm 51. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Not that conceiving him was a sin, but he was both from conception. David was a sinner. Ephesians says that we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Dead in trespasses, Ephesians chapter 2. By nature, we are children of wrath. See, we are not sinners because we sin. We sin because we are sinners. That's what the way the Bible speaks. Talks about our sinful that we are born in that condition. And the evidence of this, Romans 3, it says, None is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good. Not even one. You know, there's a, people like to say, I'm a pretty good person, according to the Bible. 
No, you are not. There is no such thing as a good person according to the Bible. Except for Jesus. But none of us are. James 3, it's, or James 1, sorry, verse 10, it says, Whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become accountable for all of it. So if you have managed, if you went your entire life, never sinned ever at all, which I'm going to go on a limb and say that probably does not that doesn't qual, probably doesn't qualify any of us. But let's say you went your whole life and didn't sin, and all of a sudden one day somebody comes up and says, "Do I look fat in this dress?" And you're like, "No, not at all. You look lovely." When you really meant yes. According to that, even that one little white lie, you are held accountable for the entire law. Paul, recognizing his sinful nature in Romans chapter 7, he went through, in that chapter, you could read him going through, he's saying, you know, I'm doing the things that I shouldn't be, that I, I know what I should be doing, but I don't do it, and I know what I shouldn't do, and I do it, that kind of little uh, tongue twister that you kind of read through that, kind of ties your brain in knots, but when you read it, you, you're like, uh-huh, very much this is me. At the end of it, Paul says, Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Because that, the consequence of this nature because of the sinful nature that we have, and the thing is, is we're not helpless victims. What I mean by that is that we're not, us committing sin is not like it's a, a disease that we contracted and we want no part of it. It's actually a disease that we have, and we love taking part in its symptoms. We enjoy the symptoms. Because that's supposed to be the exciting life. But the consequence of it is death. It's why we see all the things that are going on on the news. It's the reason why we dread every political, every single election that ever happens. It's why that we, it's, it's why, that we get, why we get sick. It's why we get injured. It's why we have to have crutches. <laughs> Sorry, not to single you out or anything, but I just saw that. But that's the depth of our sinful nature. It is the why, reason why you get to know somebody here and then one day they're gone. That's the consequence of sin. And that's why Paul says, Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? And he doesn't wait. He doesn't say, go through a paragraph and explain it. He just goes straight to Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now you can read through the rest of the, his, you know, through Romans, you can see what he means on that. He can expand on it. Because thanks be to God that God's showing his love for us, looked at us, and while we were still sinners, while we were head deep in sin, helpless to save ourselves, we are kind of, you know, it's kind of like the quicksand thing. What happens when you try to dig yourself out of quicksand? 
You always you keep going deeper and deeper, so you basically need something outside to pull you in. When we were at that point, God sent His one and only Son to suffer and die on the cross, to shed His blood, and when He shed that blood, He took our righteousness, and He took our righteousness, which as I read, is nothing. Our righteousness is filth, as Martin Luther referred to it. He said our, our righteousness was like poopy rags. Except for he actually used harsher language than even that. But that's what it was like. It was like the stuff that you used to wipe with. That's how he compared our righteousness. When we, on the cross, Jesus took that righteousness. And in the hour that we first believed, he gave us his righteousness. For whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. We are not sons of wrath anymore, but we are sons of God, heirs of his eternal kingdom. We know that no matter what happens in our life, even if we should die, again, Luther has this great quote that, you know, if somebody... If they cut my head off, that's okay, because I know somebody who can grow it back. That's what it means to be in the faith, knowing that no matter what happens in this world, even in the face of persecution, no matter what happens to our body, we know one who will make it better, and he promised to do so. To raise our body up to be a glorious body. Strengthened and mighty and greater than it had ever been before. That is what the gospel is. The the central message of Christianity. It's really kind of interesting in the world. The world keeps on saying, the central message, I've heard somebody say, the central message of Christianity is to be nice to one another. Which, being nice is a good thing, but... That's not actually the central message. Because if you read the scriptures, we're not nice to one another. That's the whole problem. That's why Jesus had to come. The central message is that Jesus had to come and pay our our penalty for the fact that we're not nice to one another. To redeem us. That's why we need him. Now, that we have been redeemed, That is why we are loving and kind to one another. It's not the central message, but rather it's a a fruit of the message. Because think about it, what's more important, the trunk or the apple? What's the thing that keeps it alive, the apple or the trunk? The trunk does, right? Of a tree? That's the score of it. But from that comes fruit. 1 Corinthians 13. It's a passage that's very often quoted at, at weddings. And I'm one that doesn't like using it at weddings because people will get the, idea, get the idea sometimes that this verse is about marriage. And it's not, to some degree it is, but it's actually about our relationship to everybody. Not just to your spouse, not just to your children, but to every human being. 
It says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Paul writes that to a church that is split and fighting about everything they can think to fight for, fight about. I mean, there's, it's one of those churches that I'm pretty certain if they had carpet back then, they would have been fighting over the color of the carpet in the church. Because I've, you know, I've known real churches that got into very heated debates over that one. I've heard of churches that got into fights over curtains. Curtains are blinds. And so he's responding to such attitudes, saying, you are Christians, you are redeemed. You have been redeemed by Christ the crucified. You're supposed to be living differently. You are to love your neighbor, love your fellow Christian, to be patient, kind, gentle, not irritable or resentful. You know, he's going through this saying, this is who you are to be since you have been redeemed. And our temptation is to say, ah, they got to earn my love. They got to be, they have to, they have to earn the right to be, you know, for me to love them. And I just say, when did you earn, do you think you earned the right for Jesus to love you? You didn't. Besides, if you could, you think you could do that, then guess what? Jesus is not God. You are, if you think you can win Jesus. It's not the other way. It's actually the other way around. Jesus one year. He's the God. He's the Savior. Nobody earns that love, but we give it anyways. You're, you're in a community of people that you see all the time, and so you love one another. You're patient with one another, or you should be. If you ever have that moment where you're getting irritated with another resident, just sit there and think, Okay, how much patience has Jesus had with me? Maybe I should extend that same patience to them. Even more than that, pray for one another. Bear their burdens. Bear their concerns. Many of you, could, many of you know what it's like to miss family. You might be, you, you're not a replacement, but you may be the person that's there to lift another one up as they miss their family. And even think of the staff or any uh, nurses or doctors that you work with. Have any of you ever done this when you were visiting a nurse or a doctor or they were visiting you or a staff member and you just said, can I pray for you? What if you just did that? Say, hey, is there anything I can pray for you today? Believe it or not, they... It's hard. They need love too. That is what we are to do. Love one another. Patience, kindness, gentleness. All those things. Because that is how Jesus loved us. May we do the same. In his name. Amen.
Now I'm going to throw the curveball again for you. <laughs> um, we're going to sing page seven. Love divine, all love's excelling. Sometimes they got different tunes than the one I'm used to. And so I get surprised. Ah, not the one I know. The one I know is Love Divine, all laws excelling. You know that version? That's the one I know better, but that's okay. Um, let us pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we give you thanks that your love is, exceeds all of our wildest imaginations. That while we were helpless, while we could do nothing to save ourselves, you sent your Son to, sh to die for us. And showing the love that you had had to forgive us, to renew us, to give us hope of a life of the world to come, for, of eternity. So we pray that you would be with us in this world as we walk through it. We lift up especially those prayers and concerns which we think of silently in our hearts now. For these and all others, Lord, we lift up to you, that you may be with them, be with those concerns. And we pray that you would lead us in love to serve our neighbors, to serve those, our fellow residents, our family, the staff, whoever it is that we are in contact with, that we may be the, your love to the world. We pray this in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray, our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. We continue with page two.
make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen.